out to the water has a lot of bad habits, but only ones that help me survive. Don't deprive yourself of the full power. Be a survivor. Don't Australian day here on the podcast. Welcome to Pump Action. Oh, podcast. That was a f- blowing the old foam off a few. That I have a comically large can of Foster's Premium. Yeah, it's like. It's like the Andre the Giant beer can, like in a mirror universe. It's like, yeah, it's like you're, it makes it, it that it, picture where he's holding the can yeah. and it's really tiny. This is like the inverse of that. Right, exactly. It's like the opposite of that. <laughs> oh, we got our Fosters. Yeah. I just noticed this says brewed in the USA. What? But oh. I, I also I did a little reading. Uh, apparently, it was. Fairly popular in the 70s in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it kind of died off over there, and I guess they don't drink it at all anymore. Yeah, surprisingly, um, you know, not to go off topic too much, but hey, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> um, you know, when I was watching this movie, zero ads for Foster's at all. <laughs> there was one that was called, like, Brit Beer or Brit Buyer or something like that. Wait a minute, isn't it in the – aren't there, like, ads in the bar? In no! The- I didn't see any Fosters at all in that bar scene. Maybe it's in the sequel? Maybe. Like the bar in Australia that he hangs out in. Correct. Yeah, no, there is no Fosters that I remember. I just watched it last night. That might be in the sequel. Could be in the sequel, which was probably the film that we should be talking about. Well, we're going to do both. We are going to. This is a Paul Hogan double feature. (laughs) Yeah, g'day. G'day. So, yeah, we're going to be... Um, massacring um, uh, the Australian accents today because we're talking about the 19, what, 88? 86. Classic Crocodile Dundee. I hope we're recording. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I see numbers moving. I didn't hear the action. So. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. Now we're back on. Now we're back on. Uh, yeah, Crocodile Dundee. Uh, what a movie. Um, haven't seen this one in a long time. Uh, not the movie that I thought, uh, it was because, uh, I thought there were more action scenes. I I remember a rescue, but apparently after some, a little bit further research, uh, that's part two because that's the one where she like uncovers like some kind of. CIA, DEA, drug cartel thing, and then she gets kidnapped, and then it's Crocodile Dundee to the rescue. Yeah. Yeah, but um, this, Crocodile Dundee, the original, still a solid flick. I enjoyed it. But again, this is more of like a... What what kind of movie would you classify this? Is it a comedy? Is it a... It's a comedy, because he was... He's... 
he had been a comedian for years before yeah. this, so it's, I guess, like a comedy action, I mean, uh, adventure. adventure. Yeah, yeah, like a comedy adventure uh, romance, a little bit more yeah. romance in it than I thought there was. It's an, it's an, like, in the 80s, there were two kinds of romance films. There was, like, this and Jewel of the Nile. Yes, which and is then, another one. And then there was the other extreme, which is, like... Fatal attraction and oh, yeah. just <laughs> the weird revenge. basic instinct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Which, speaking of, we need to do Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, um, because that's kind of what I maybe I, maybe I just like melded all of those films together. Like, because um, like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen this, but um, it entertained me. I can say that for like a hundred minutes. So if you haven't seen this movie, or if you don't know what we're talking about, once again. Talking about the 80s classic, Crocodile Dundee. Um, I just wanted to... Do you remember seeing this, like, at a young age? I didn't see it in the theater, but this one and part two were on TV all the time, like, in the late 80s and throughout the 90s. So that's where I saw them both. Yeah, I actually was lucky enough to see... I saw them in a theater. I know I saw the first two in a theater. (laughs) Because it was like hyped, like huge, um, back in the day. And as a kid, um, you know, just the trailers for it and the TV spots for it, I was just like, I have to see this movie. Like, this is going to be the greatest thing that I've ever seen. Um, growing up, you know, I like those adventure like characters, um, sort of like uh, Indiana Jones, sort of like uh, King Solomon's Mind, or Alan Quartermain, I guess, Alan Quartermain. Um, kind of like Marlon Perkins. <laughs> I don't know. Was Marlon Perkins an action star? <laughs> Animal Kingdom? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It just it drew me like just the way that that character was presented just in the trailer and the TV spots. I was enthralled as a kid. Um, I had no idea anything about Australian culture. Um, I guess everybody's first kind of taste of Australian films was. Mad Max is that was that yours, and Road Warrior probably. Um, I think I probably saw these before I saw any of the the Mad Max Mad Max movies. I just yeah. remember those because those were like on constant play on like TBS, uh, yeah. like movies for guys who like movies. Like they played Road Warrior, but at the time I had no idea that those were Australian movies because they dubbed all the dialogue, so they took out all of the Australian accents. <laughs> And I didn't find out till like way, way later that those were like, no, those were, you know, Mel Gibson has an Australian accent. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you're kidding me. And then you go on a quest to try to find like the original dubbed version. And I remember, or undubbed version. And I remember when I saw the undubbed version, I, my mind was just like, I, I cannot believe this. Like, I, it never dawned on me that, you know, at the time that they had dubbed all those, you know, accents over for us dumb Americans. But I guess so that would probably be my first kind of taste of Australian cinema. Um, and then there was another film that I remember catching on HBO called, with Ricky Schroeder called The Orphan. Do you ever, do you remember that one? He's no. like, okay, so he's like a, his family is like going on like a safari or like an outback adventure. And they're in like an RV or something. And then like, um, they have a wreck, like it goes off a cliff or something and, uh, Ricky Schroeder's whole family's like killed and then he like he's an orphan obviously but he's like stuck in like the outback 
and he's rescued by like this uh, nomad, or not really nomad, like a hermit, like a hermit type character. Um, you know, watching this, it just that all kind of opened up the floodgates of like all the Australian movies that I had seen, you know, prior to this or leading up to this. And I was like, I want to see that. There's just a couple of things I remember. I remember like the RV going off the cliff. I remember like the there's some Arab, uh, uh, Aboriginal. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, yeah, Aboriginal, Abra- yeah. Aborigine. I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. But uh, natives that are in this uh, or in that film, and, and and I remember like there was like a beaded bag or something that was also in that movie. Um, but anyway, so those were the first like Australian movies that I remember, and then um, yeah, here comes this one out of, out of nowhere. Uh, I was talking, you know, or thinking about it. You know, it seems to me like every, you know, eight years or so. Uh, America gets um, infatuated with things from Australia. <laughs> um, it kind of starts off with like Mad Max and Road Warrior, and then like you have like a little bit of a lull, and then like eight years here comes you know uh, weird things like uh, remember the Energizer with G- Energizer like the Duracell guy. We were talking about it, you know, like yeah. texting back and forth. His name was Jocko, and he's like, "Oi!" You know, like, and he was like, I don't know, he was, like, in your face, and he had the battery, like, the f- white flat top, he's kind of like a pre-Drago, Drago, he's like, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. There was, like, that guy, um, Foster's Beer uh, commercials were big. Um, Yahoo Serious. Yahoo Serious, <laughs> yeah, and then you have, of course, this movie, and then it dies out for a little bit, and then um, Crocodile Hunter comes back. Oh, yeah. Which I want to... I'd never seen Collision Course. I forgot he made a movie. And yeah, the Crocodile Hunter made a movie called Collision Course. <laughs> I want we got to see that. I want to see that. Um, you know, then you have like the Wiggles also came from Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, what what are some other things that, that you can think of? Yeah, I don't know what. I guess just it, the next iteration of that is just actors. Yeah. Like Chris Hemsworth and Yeah, yeah. Other, like you know, you had the movies, the TV shows. Then there's the lull. Another movie, TV shows. Yeah. Another lull. I guess now we're big in Australian actors. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah. Um, he and then he made he and like Nicole Kidman, like they made like Australia, which was like oh man from Snowy River was like another yeah. one I remember growing up on. Um, that was like an Australian cowboy film. So it's just weird that, like, America has always had this infatuation with, like, Australia and Australian movies. It's, like, I think to us, we look at it as, like, the the last frontier. You know, it's literally still, like, the wild, wild west. And I think a lot of Americans still, you know, see it as that, as, as, you know, the last, I don't know, like I said, like, the last open wild west type. At least for white people. <laughs> <laughs> At least for us uneducated, we we still the, think that. the safe wild west. <laughs> yeah, the safe mm. wild west. But um, yeah, so Australia, it's huge, uh, or it has been huge. It's been a lot of fodder for a lot of films, a lot of books, a lot of uh, TV shows, a lot of movies. Uh, anyway, so um, I'm curious as to kind of what you might have dug up about this film. Like, how did it come into existence? Because this is Paul Hogan, his first film. Yeah. Like, how does he sort of come from obscurity and land this this film? Yeah, there wouldn't basically wouldn't be a Crocodile Dundee without Paul Hogan because it's pretty much his whole reason for being. <laughs> <laughs> He's only known for uh, this, really. Uh, 
so well we need to so we need to talk a little bit about Paul Hogan. Yes. Um he was born in 1939 in Greater Western Sydney, Australia. And before getting into acting, he worked as a rigger on the Sydney Harbor Bridge. Oh. Which is yeah. in the movie. It opens the movie. There's the scene where there she's talking. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that bridge is in the movie. And his first TV appearance was in uh, 1971 on an amateur talent show where he uh, claimed to be a tap-dancing knife thrower. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Is there and, anything more Australian than that, <laughs> tap-dancing knife thrower? So once he got on stage, uh, he proceeded to make fun of the talent show judges. Then he did a crappy dance and threw the knives on the floor. Uh, and, and that whole act came about because he was talking to his friends about they would watch the show and the judges on the show were mean to the performers oh. and he wanted to give them a taste of their own medicine. Nice. So, so he kind of, he kind of bluffed his way onto the show and just started razzing them. Oh, and he flipped the script on yeah. them. Um, so the audience loved it and he, they had him back a few more times and he, that's kind of how he started getting popular. Um, and, uh, so as a result of his natural comedic timing, he continued to appear on various TV shows throughout the 1970s and the early 80s. And he even had his own sketch show called The Paul Hogan Show. Yes. Which ran for 60 episodes between 1973 and 1984. Yes. He, during this time, he also appeared in advertisements for Winston Cigarettes, Foster's, and the Australian Tourism Board, where he popularized the phrase, Shrimp on the Bobby. No, he did not. Yeah. Wow. In uh, 1984. Mind blown. Did you hear that? You only get these nuggets on Pump Action Podcast, y'all. <laughs> you always want to know where that phrase came from. There you go. Yeah, uh, that was 84. And uh, that kind of gave him enough pull to uh, get Crocodile Dundee made in 1986. So he had been around for a good 15 years or so in uh, Australia and the UK doing uh, TV shows and commercials and stuff uh, before even doing Crocodile Dundee. So that, that's a little bit of a background on him. <clears throat> so if you haven't seen the movie, uh, just a basic summary. Um, Sue Charlton is a journalist for a newspaper, and she is a New York newspaper and she is sent to Australia to do a story on Michael J. Crocodile Dundee, a man supposedly attacked by a crocodile before crawling hundreds of miles back to civilization. So she goes to Australia, meets up with Dundee, and he starts showing her around the outback a little, and uh, some wackiness ensues. She then talks him into coming back to New York City, and which he does, and some more wackiness ensues. Yeah, this so is, that's that's a basic plot. Of this the is film. like almost like two films in one. Um, I, I I don't know about you, but like once you get like to me, everything is so awesome. Like the whole Australia thing is so awesome. It's like so like on the money and it's like perfect. And then to me, like when he gets to New York, like it's funny, but then like that joke's kind of like okay, like and there's no real plot to this except for the last like. 20 minutes which I guess we'll probably get to like nothing really happens there's no risk there's nothing like you know on the line there's no stakes yeah. involved that's just like here's a guy fish out of water like let's watch him go you know um but go ahead so uh Linda Kozlowski is the actress who plays Sue Charlton and uh that she this is pretty much her claim to fame is these Crocodile Dundee movies 
Um, she did a little stage and screen before this. Um, I think Crocodile Dundee was her first big movie, and her last big movie was Crocodile Dundee 3. <laughs> and, uh, she, in, in Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah. She did a few things in between, but after part three, she kind of just retired from acting. They're married, right? Uh, married. They were married. They divorced. Oh, they did? I didn't realize they were married for like 20 years or something. Oh, my God. Who divorces Paul? Hogan? <laughs> like, what are you thinking? You think you can do better than Paul freaking Hogan? So the at one point, Paul Hogan was in New York, and he wondered what it would be like if an Australian bushman moved to the big city. Uh, this was in the mid-'80s. And so this that's basically how he came up with the idea for Crocodile Dundee. And he based a large part of the character on how Americans viewed Australians at the time. <laughs> yes, we were just so, discussing. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it, the movie's kind of a stereotype. Yeah. Paul Hogan wrote the screenplay along with screenwriters Ken Shady and John Cornell. Yeah, and I noticed too, like just kind of checking the Internet Movie Database um, as I was kind of watching this film, he kept the same team that did the Paul Hogan show um, it's the same team. He just moved him over to the film. So, like, uh, who's it? Peter Feynman or Feynman or whatever his name is. Like, he directed, like, most of the episodes of the Paul Hogan show. Same writer, same staff. And so I thought that was kind of interesting, you know. Like, he, the people that brought him up, he brought him over to. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. So, apparently in Australia, the government uh, does a lot in the film industry. So the, the movie was funded, I guess, in large part by the Australian government. And, yeah, Paul Hogan brought a bunch of his television friends on onto this film. Linda Kozlowski is an American, and he wanted to bring her in to play Sue. The Actors Union in Australia didn't want to bring in an American for uh, for the part, but they later gave in. Uh, yeah, and they, were ma- they married right after part two. Mm. So, it, you know, several years later, so he was kind of... He was laying the groundwork early for this lady. (laughs) (laughs) He was shopping in the middle. He's playing the long game. That's right. Long con. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, principal photography started on July 13th, 1985 in Queensland, Australia. Other filming locations in Australia included Kakadu National Park, Gunlam Falls, Garroween Lagoon, and Cloncurry. I guess if you're Australian, those names might mean something. Yeah, if you're listening in Australia. I think we actually have like one download in Australia. So I'm sure after this, we're going to blow up in Australia. (laughs) They did six more weeks of filming in New York City and New Jersey after that. And filming wrapped on October 11th, 1985. Paul Hogan was convinced that the movie would be a huge hit uh, before it even was released. And he was right. Yeah, he was. It's it's a great movie. It yeah. really is. It's fun. Um, it broke, it broke the Australian record for opening week sales, and after eleven weeks, it grossed over forty-seven million Australian dollars, surpassing E.T. the Extraterrestrial, to become the highest-grossing movie in Australia at the time. It is still the highest-grossing Australian movie. Is it really uh, globally? Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I figured like. A Road Warrior or something would be like Eclipse that. Uh, I think Road Warrior was before Crocodile Dundee. Speaking of, um, just kind of side note while we're talking about the Road Warrior, 
um, in that bar scene, um, there's that guy that plays Donk or whatever. Like, he's setting the beer on his head. He's mm-hmm. just like, you know, like, you know, Donk's, like, been in this bar for 15 years. He never spilled a drop. And so, like, punching him in the gut or whatever. One of the guys that's in, like, the little, um, uh, little toady kind of character mm-hmm. is, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he, it's Mudguts from, from uh, Mad Max. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I was like, is that who I think that is? And so I like, I, of course, I looked it up. I'm like, holy cow, like it is. Like it's the same guy. So I thought that was kind of neat. Like, you know, I don't know. Oh, I've got Donk. I've got Donk. That's part two, I think. Yeah. Yeah, part, I think part two has a lot more quotable lines. Well, I don't know, man. Like this one, like, uh, you know, telling you, like as this movie's playing out, like I'm saying the line that they all came back to me, like, you know, yeah. as, as I'm watching this. And there's a... There's a lot of stuff I forgot. And there's a lot of stuff like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah. so it was released in the United States in September of 1986 by Paramount Pictures. In September of '86, yeah. Okay, okay. For some reason, I kept thinking this was like <clears throat> a summer movie. Uh, when did I say it opened in Australia? Ah, I don't think I did. All right, I don't know. Uh, so it opened in first place with an $8 million gross the first weekend and stayed in first place for nine more weeks. Hmm. It grossed almost $175 million in the U.S. and Canada, which is $467 million in today's dollars. And it was the second highest grossing film of the year in the U.S. Do you want to guess what the highest grossing was in '86? In the U.S. 86? Oh, you're you're going to kick minute. yourself. I think it's Top Gun. Yeah, Top oh, Gun. I was going to say. <clears throat> Top Gun is 86. Yeah. It was the highest grossing film of the year in countries such as New Zealand and Ireland. Worldwide, it grossed over $328 million, or almost $900 million in today's dollars. $900 million. It had a budget of eight point eight million, or almost twenty four million today. So yeah, huge. That's like Avengers money. That really is. That's insane. That's like a a bad Star Wars movie. Yeah, for call. sure. <laughs> and as of January of twenty twenty three, it is the two hundred and fifty third highest grossing film ever in North America, and the three hundred and seventy first highest grossing film in the world ever but the highest grossing australian film in the world so there's a big spread there for some reason that's still crazy to me like it was that popular yeah. like i remember it being huge but i had no idea that it was like pulling in that kind of like Three, money 371st in the world out of how many hundreds of thousands know, of that's movies crazy. crocodile dundee top 500 yeah, yeah. um overall uh, today, it has generally positive reviews. It has 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, average rating of 6.8 out of 10, has a 62% rating on Metacritic, and a B-plus average on CinemaScore. At the time of its release, uh, film critic Roger Ebert gave the film two out of four stars, saying the movie's cliches work well, but the stars lack chemistry. Wrong. <laughs> that is so wrong. They got married. <laughs> Like, how could you not have chemistry? After part two, they got married. Oh, well, that's true. (laughs) The New York Times said the film was illogical but witty with a fine sense of irony. Variety criticized the script but praised Paul Hogan and Linda Kozlowski. The Chicago Tribune gave it three out of four stars. 
Uh, the reviews ranged from crowd-pleasing to dull and lumbering. <laughs> so some Australians criticized the way that Australi- Australians were portrayed in the movie, saying it was nothing but fantasy, which is kind of the point, I guess, yeah, according yeah. to Paul Hogan. However, Australian advertising executive David Droga said in 2018 that there has been no better ad for Australia than that movie. I would so, agree. Yeah. Except maybe, like I said, maybe the crocodile hunter, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. Some later reviews of the movie are extremely critical. This is modern day. Uh, calling the film sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, and an offensive embarrassment. Uh, you know what? I was going to say, there's, <laughs> there are a lot of scenes that would not fare well to today's audience. Uh, indigenous peoples are compared to fleas, and a trans woman is sexually assaulted in public and laughed at. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that, but I was also thinking about it, and the way they do it, like the people that do that, like Crocodile Dundee and the Barflies, you know? Yeah. Like they're kind of hillbilly hicks. And so, yeah. like, it's still terrible, but it works in context because right. the people are kind of dumb idiots. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny, too, because, like, um, when he, like, he's like, that's our Shayla. And they're like, yeah, man. Like, it's the cab driver. And he's just like, I've been trying to tell you all night. <laughs> and he's just like, no way. And so he, like, walks over and he, like, honks her bobo or whatever. <laughs> And then um, he's like, oh, you're a fella, or something like that. And then they all start laughing, you know. Yeah. And um, he's like, you all knew, you lot, you bastard lot of you, or whatever. It's like so funny. Like, I I laughed. And again, like, I know it, you're not supposed to laugh at things like that in, in today's culture or today's climate. But it's funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. It was great. I mean, it, it worked then, and I think in the context of the movie it works, but yeah. it's still, yeah, you wouldn't do that nowadays because yeah. it is. Everybody's woke. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking, um, what's the, I can't even think, Blazing Saddles. Yes. <laughs> like, all that stuff, which you probably couldn't do today. Right. But at, in the time, in the context of the culture, and in the context of the movie, it works. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Just different time periods, different stuff works. And he doesn't really compare, um, like, the Aboriginal Aborigine people to fleas. He's talking about the land and, like, the, the squabble over the land. Right. Um, he's like, you know, they were here, you know, six, what do you say, like, six million years ago or whatever. And he's like, and they're going to be here for six million more years. He's like, what's the point of, like, arguing over something? Like, mm-hmm. just, you know, live on the land? Or, like, so basically he said, like, you know, it's like fleas arguing over who owns the dog or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so he's not really, like, making a comparison of, you know, Aboriginal people to um, fleas. I think it's he's talking more about the bickering over something, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But anyway, yeah. he didn't really call them fleas. He was just trying to make, like, a... Mm-hmm. Remarkable. Yeah, so these are modern day critiques. Modern day. Looking at old movies with a modern eye, which I don't know. Why would you do that? Can't you just enjoy it? Yeah, for I what don't know. It is? Well, we're not here to get too political. That's so. right. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so Paul or uh, Crocodile Dundee was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. You're goddamn right it was. Uh, and Paul Hogan was one of those nominees at the Golden Globes. Paul Hogan was nominated and won for Best Actor. Uh, Linda Kozlowski was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, and the film was nominated for Best Motion Picture. 
and the movie was either nominated or won various other awards from around the world, including the BAFTA and Saturn Awards. Mm. And it's been released on every home media format multiple times, most recently on Blu-ray for the third time in September of 2021. It's streaming on multiple... Yeah. It's on HBO right now. I think Hulu and Amazon have it. So it's a very easy-to-find movie if you've never seen it. It's worth your time. Yeah, yeah I got that two-pack on DVD for like that's five bucks. Yeah, that's something. what I have. Yeah. I don't think you flipped the disc over. Yeah. And it's got part two on the back. <laughs> um, here's an interesting little tidbit. It, the movie was aired on BBC One in the UK on December 25th, 1989. To this day... It holds the record for the most watched program ever watched on Christmas Day in the United Kingdom. And according to the numbers that I found, 38% of the entire population of the United Kingdom tuned in and watched it. Wow, that's awesome. It's their Christmas story. They just run it on a (laughs) 24-hour loop. Uh, It was followed by a sequel, Crocodile Dundee 2, in 1988. And the third Crocodile Dundee movie, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles in 2001. You know, I've never seen the whole thing. I know it really revolves around their son, right? Yeah, like it's, he... it's pretty bad. And then there's also, if you didn't know, like a meta film, sort of like a, you know, crossing the fourth wall, I guess, film called The Amazing Mr. Dundee. Yeah, he plays himself. Paul plays, Hogan plays himself. He plays himself. himself. He's going to get knighted. And then, like, some wackiness ensues. Um, but a lot of the original cast comes back. Um, and so, anyway, but he's got, like, a great... All he wants to do is, like, retire or something like that. Is stay out of the limelight. And then he's going to get knighted. And he's, like, talking to his grand... I don't know. After, like, watching this, it made me kind of want to, like, oh, I kind of want to maybe check that out. I looked at the trailer on um, uh, YouTube, I think. And I was just like, huh, might be fun. I don't know. But... And uh, there was... I think that movie was 2020... I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, in 2018, there was a Super Bowl commercial released. Did you see that? I have it not. Was, it's like a Crocodile Dundee Super Bowl commercial, which uh, sparked rumors about a film reboot. But as of 2023, nothing has come close to materializing. Shockingly, it has not been revisited. Uh, Paul Hogan is currently 83 at the time of this recording, and he has refused production of any more Crocodile Dundee films. So that's that's kind of the movie and how it came to be, what it's about. Huge yeah. movie. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's like a lot of things that like just kind of watching it, like I said, just kind of like flashback scenes. Um, uh, you know, within like everything is set up like perfectly in like the first like 10 minutes. And you don't even like really realize at first like like all context of the 80s. Like I was like, why would she be over there? in Australia covering this story. Like, why does that matter? But then I thought like, well, they don't have the internet then. Like if you wanted stories like this, you actually had to go (laughs) to those places. You had to seek those people out. I'm still kind of confused on like why that would be such a big deal for like her father's because her father owns like a newspaper. uh, Like it owns the newspaper and I don't under, and like, she's like the world travel agent, I guess, or reporter or whatever. Um, so anyway, like I wasn't really sure like why she was there, but like everything, it's it, the whole thing is set up. Like she's on the phone with like her fiance or whatever, and he's just like, you, know, you be careful, you know, like you're a, 
you know, be careful out there in the, the bush because you're like an old New York City city slicker, you know, and like, oh, you know, this guy can, you know, survive anything and da 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 da. And then you have that really cool scene of them like, you know, helicoptering in and then you meet Wally, who's like his mentor and his mm-hmm. almost like his father figure, I guess, in a way, his business partner. And, um, you know, he's filling her all in about who Mick is and kind of what it's about. And then, um, uh, then you have that bar scene and where he comes flying in. It's really cool, the introduction to him, because the very first thing that you see is that huge Bowie knife or that Bowie knife or whatever you want to call it. It comes flying through the door and, like, sticks in, which is, like, an iconic, you know, signature piece for that movie is that that knife. Right. Um, I had heard that, like, they had, like, several of those knives, like, on set, and he took the original one, and he's like, I'm never going to sell this. Um, so there was, like, a... a I guess a rubber one and there was like a one that had like a flimsier blade, you know what I mean? But then there was like a real one and he ended up keeping the real one from them, from the set and, uh, as a prop, the prop or whatever. And he still has that. But, um, and then he like comes flying in with like the stuffed alligator, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> and then he's just like dancing with the lady and, you know, he's just like, come over here. I'll dance with the ladies. And then there's like, you know, they're in Australia and they're in a bar. So, you know, there's a bar fight coming and the bar fight happens, but it's all fun and games. And, um, there's also kind of like in the Australia scenes, I noticed too, like the underlying theme of poaching. Um, it's mentioned like three or four times and even like it's alluded to that was Mick out there poaching at the time. Cause when he like takes her to, um, which I'm assuming is like a big, um, or is it a problem in Australia? I don't really know. Maybe if our one Australia listener <laughs> fill us in is poaching. Is it a, you know, a, a, a issue that you guys are, you know, I don't know, facing, I don't really know, but anyway, um, so he's like, you know, he's showing her like, you know, this is where my boat was and like, it's like up in a tree, which I thought was weird and she was like, um, she's like, what were you doing out here? And he was just like, uh, you know, I was fishing and she's like, you weren't out here hunting crocodiles, were you? And he's like, nah, that's illegal, you know what I mean? But then she reaches in and she pulls out like a handful of like shell casings and she's like, fishing, huh? And then he's just like, like the barramundis are big fish or like whatever, but so there's like that scene, and then there's like um, the awesome scene with the poachers that come through with the kangaroos, and they're oh, shooting yeah. the kangaroos, and yeah. she's like, "Do something." He's like, "What do you want me to do?" And then she's like, "I don't know, like, do something." And then like he like sneaks <laughs> off, and then like that guy's over there like taking the leak, and um, he's like, "What's that?" And he like looks up, he shines a light over there, and then, like the the freaking kangaroo has the gun, he like <laughs> yeah. shoots the gun out, and I was like, and the lights out, and I'm like, "Oh my god, man, that was awesome." Um, I don't know, but there's like a couple of, like I said, it was like kind of alluded to that maybe he was a poacher. Like he gets in a bar fight because the guy calls him a poacher and he's like, I'm no poacher. And then they like fight. And yeah. I don't know. Like, I didn't know if that was like something that if there was like an earlier version of the script that had more yeah. of that in there, you know, yeah, but know. it kind of gets dropped, you know? Um, I think they, they, they mentioned it like three or four times, like when they're in Australia, hmm. but uh, and then the awesome scene too, where um, uh, there's that iconic scene with um, what's it, I wrote his name down, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. The uh, is it David? Oh gosh, what's his name? Um, I'm gonna try to pronounce it. Gopalil, Gopalil, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, who's like a legitimate? He's like the best like dancer, and he was like world renowned like dancer, um, like Aboriginal dancer. He did mm-hmm. like all the choreography for that tribal dance, and then 
you know, he, like, comes out of nowhere, and she's like, hey, Nev, or, like, whatever, and she's like, can I take your picture? He's like, you can't take my picture, and she's like, oh, do you think it's going to steal your soul? It's like, no, you got your lens cap on. So it's like, things like that were, like, awesome, and then she's like, how does he see his way in the dark? And, you know, Mick's like, oh, like, you know, these Aboriginal guys, man, these tribal guys, they know this, these woods, you know, this outback, you know, front to back, they can see in the dark, and then you hear him, like, step on something, he's like, I hate the bush. (laughs) I was like, like, remember that? Like, it was just like, I mean, there's a, like made me cackle like out loud at least a half a dozen times. Cause I was like, they're like like, wearing jeans. Yeah. They're like wearing (laughs) jeans. Like, yeah, it was so awesome. And so that was cool. Um, of course when he gets to New York, there's like the first thing that happens is he's kind of has like that, you know, buddy, the elf moment on the escalator where I guess he assumes that it's going to go underneath. Like I wasn't really sure like what he thought was going to happen. And then of course, like the Bowie knife, like that's not a knife. Mick, like give him your money. He's got a knife. He's like, that's not a knife. That's a knife. You know what I mean? Like rips the dude's thriller jacket. So that was cool. Like, I don't know, man. Like there was just so much about this movie that like just came back to me. And, um, I remember why, why I loved it even as a kid. Cause it was, I don't know. It's, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> the script is great, I thought. and um, Like I said, it's just like a bunch of wacky stuff that happens. And then the big, I guess, moment in the film is um, uh, where the pretentious um, douchebag fiancé proposes at the dinner scene or whatever. And that's when he's like, oh, I'm going to go on a walkabout, you know, or whatever. And then he goes, she broke, the little Sheila broke his heart, you know, and so... <laughs> Um, so that's like, but that happens like in the last 20 minutes, like nothing really happens. There's no real story that goes on. Like he meets some prostitutes. He's like, gets beat up by a pimp. It's like, Like, they didn't know how to finish the movie. And he's just like, I don't know. Yeah. Like get together in the, the, (laughs) but how awesome was it though? Like that ending scene where like in the subway and, um, you know, she's like, Hey, like they, like they're so crowded in there and you can't. You know, so they, they had to, like, do the conversation between the three, like, the Jamaican guy and then, like, the construction worker. And he's like, like, hey, I'm trying to talk to the guy in the black hat. You know, he's just like, that guy? Like, yeah. He's like, tell him that I love him. He's like, I love you. Oh, I love you. Like, so then he's like, like, we can't move or whatever. And he's like, I'm going up. And so he, like, starts stepping on all their heads to, like, walk across. Like, that was so awesome. And that just, that's, like, the perfect way to end the film. Because, like he said, it's just, like, what else could you do with it? It's just like, yeah. eh, let's do this. <clears throat> well, I hope you're ready for the, uh, I hope you're ready for the hate mail because I still say part two is the, the better film. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I know that, that came out like what, uh, two years, two after? years later. Yeah. But he did like some, a really good movie in between there. Almost an angel. Do you remember that one? I where didn't he's see like it. a bank robber. No. Um, yeah, he's like a, like a bank robber or something. And he like, like, uh, hides out and he like gets mistaken for like oh golly or uh wait almost yeah so i can't remember like he's an angel or something maybe he gets done i don't know what it is but i remember liking it like as a kid we'll have to see if we can track almost an angel down um that was pretty cool and i think it's again the whole cast and crew that he worked with on these films is he did that and then definitely want to go back and see part two because that's the one that i kind of thought this one was where there's like a kidnapping and like Anyway, so there's it's more of an action adventure type film. So yeah, it's kind of a reverse of the first one. They start out in New York, yes, and then Sue gets kidnapped, and then they 
go back to Australia. Yeah. And then he he goes all Jedi and. Yeah. Oh yeah. It. Speaking of Jedi, he does the Jedi mind trick with the water yeah. buffalo. He's like, eh. I yeah. remember doing that um, as kids. Like my brother and I, we would do that to each other. Like, eh. yeah. like yeah. Yeah, that's why I like part two because, I mean, part one, they're in Australia and he does some cool stuff. But part two, he's like, he's going crazy and <laughs> taking down all the bad guys, and it's just it's a lot more like entertaining. Yeah. As far as the. Australia stuff, yeah, you know, action, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I thought it was like I, I love the the Australia stuff way more than I like the New York stuff because the New York stuff is it's great, but then it just kind of falls flat, you know, because it's just like I don't know, kind of typical fish out of water like craziness, silly things like oh, what's a bidet? Like you know, like <laughs> some what do you say? Some nitwit put two dunnies in the bathroom <laughs> or like whatever. Um, but then I forgot too. I'm thinking about it because we're all over the place on this one. Reginald Vell Johnson shows up. As the limo driver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, he sort of plays, not really like the Al Pal character from Die Hard, but he, he's kind of like his right-hand man. He's like the limo driver. And um, so that was kind of cool to see him. And uh, I don't even know. Like, I'm just like all over the place with this one. This yeah. one's kind of like a, we're going to have to piece this one together in post, I guess. <laughs> but. Well, uh, we did talk a little bit about Australian box office. I have a top ten list. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, this, this is kind of an uh, unusual one. It's um, top ten Australian movies at the Australian box office. Ooh. So this is top ten movies. Was this in 86? This is ever. Oh, top, ever? Yeah. Okay. Top ten movies. Let's see how many of these we've seen. Made by, at least in some part, made by Australian studios. And this is top 10 at the Australian box office. Gotcha. Australian movies at the Australian box office. Number 10, Peter Rabbit 2. Peter Rabbit? Oh, that's an Australian movie? Uh, yeah. Didn't yeah, some that? of these I didn't know they were Australian. I didn't know that was Australian. 20, that was in 2021. Yeah. Uh, number 9, Crocodile Dundee 2. Yes. Yeah. Uh, number 8, Peter Rabbit 1. <laughs> Peter uh, Rabbit won over Crocodile. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee would skin and eat that rabbit. <laughs> uh, number seven, I didn't know this was technically an Australian movie either. The Great Gatsby, 2013. Really? With, uh, Leo DiCaprio. Huh. Yeah. Number six, Moulin Rouge. Moulin uh, Rouge? I thought that was in... 2001. Uh, I thought that was a uh, New Orleans kind of thing. No? Uh, they filmed it in Australia. No kidding. Yeah. Number five, a movie called Lion from 2017. Don't remember that one. Mm. Number four, Happy Feet, 2006. I think that's the Penguin one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number three, Babe, 1995. Babe. Wow, yeah, I didn't realize that Babe was Australian pig. either. Number two, Australia, mm-hmm. 2008. Yeah, that's Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman. And uh, number one, Crocodile Dundee. So None of the road warriors made that list. Uh, well, let's no see. No Mad Max movie made that list. Number twelve was Fury Road. Okay. Uh, that so the number twelve all time Australian movie at the Australian box office. That's crazy. Well, like yeah, this is kind of weird because a lot of Western movie or non Australian movies, like American movies, they kind of knocked a lot of Australian stuff out of the, oh, gotcha, out gotcha, a lot gotcha. of whack. So. Yeah, these bloody Americans. <laughs> yeah. 
So that kind of a weird top ten list, I thought. Yeah. That's crazy because so half those films I didn't even yeah. know were Australian films. If you're Australian, let us know what you think of that. If you've seen how many of those movies you've seen, because apparently they were pretty popular in your country. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, like I said, probably maybe half of them. But. Uh, I, Mortal Kombat was uh, number 38, by the way. Really? See, I didn't even know that was an Australian didn't know either. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, uh, yeah, Australia. We love you. Yeah, that's right. We, I've still got a like half a can of this huge Foster's here. <laughs> we might have to take a picture of this and put it on the website or something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Foster's beer. Australian for beer. Australian for beer. <laughs> Which I guess it's not Australian for beer at all. But it's American for Australian says, beer. Says brewed in USA, Australia's famous beer brand. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I have sort of a pseudo uh, uh, Crocodile Dundee workout. For okay. You. Yeah, so um, this is a, a great movie to uh, throw on while you're doing a lot of uh, cardio. Um, I'm not saying that the, that the Australians are uh, not huge because we know like, guys like Callum Monmoger, they're from Australia. But in this movie, uh, there's not like one like overly muscular dude even old donk he's kind of like a heavy set portly fella mm-hmm. so uh I, I, the very first thing you, you probably want to do is bake yourself in the sun right for at least seven straight days and get your skin <laughs> good and leathery <laughs> don't put any sunscreen on we want you looking like a saddlebag with eyes <laughs> and then um uh you want to go on a walkabout. Put your leather vest on. But yeah, you want to take a strip off your your outer garment on uh, your upper, you know, region, and throw on your leather vest, some jeans, and some jeans, <laughs> and some some snakeskin boots, and then if you can find the hat um, with the crocodile teeth or the claws, I guess they were the claws. Um, put that on because you're going to go on a long walkabout. And you want to probably warm up with a walkabout for about three days, just kind of walking <laughs> aimlessly around, trying to find yourself. And then once you've kind of, um, you know, found yourself, I guess, you want to follow that with, um, you know, I want to say 30 seconds. You want to do probably uh, 20, what am I going to say, like uh, uh, sets, 20 sets of um, box jumps. Mm. Um, yeah, and so that'll kind of get you... You know, good and limbered up. Um, swimming is also um, uh, recommended for this. Um, just be careful for gators, uh, crocs. No, you're not gators. Excuse me, crocs. <laughs> you gotta watch out for crocs. Uh, I, I encourage you to find mineral water because I learned that crocs don't like mineral water <sighs> through this film. It's a yeah a lesson that I learned. Um, and so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's pretty standard. Maybe some pull ups on a tree limb. Um, Practice throwing that can of corn. Oh yeah, yeah. Down a city block. That's right. Some a couple of boomerang tosses. <laughs> uh, I think we're kind of treading off into stereotypical yeah. <laughs> territory right now. Maybe a couple of death rolls while you're underwater. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, when you get you know go down, swim down to the bottom and tuck your your protein uh, somewhere <laughs> down so it stinks because crocs don't like live live meat. They like a little salted tender tender. Uh, and then, you know, just, yeah, be careful. Watch out the, for the koalas, because don't they have raging herpes? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, gon- is it, gonorrhea. Is it gonorrhea? Something. <laughs> I don't know. 
something unsavory. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, there's your Crocodile Dundee workout. Um, this one was a lot of fun. Like, I I didn't want to do this one. I just wanted an excuse to watch that movie. That, that's really all this really was. Yeah. Um, again, it, no bloodshed. There's no murders. There's no... There is a nice... Uh, which I got to say this. Um, so, I remember watching this movie in a theater. And you remember the scene where um, she's, like, going to try to prove, like, you know, like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a girl, and I, I'm all woman, baby. And I can meet you over there, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and I'll meet you there at mm-hmm. you know, this crosswalk or whatever, this mountain or whatever, this peak. And so she goes off on her own through the bush, and Mick's like, oh, she's just a Sheila. She's not going to make it. So <laughs> she uh, he follows her the whole time, and then, like, she's walking and da, 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 and then she like comes to like this little um pond or whatever yeah and she's gonna refill up her canteen which is probably highly dangerous i right. would think you're just putting raw unboiled water into your still canteen. still yeah. water stagnant water yeah and so but she's also wearing like this skirt of some kind or whatever yeah. and then she like removes it and that was the very first time that i remember as a kid like what is she wearing? Like, what is that thing? Like, it's a, it was a thong. It was my first experience of seeing it's like a, a leotard or yeah, it was something like a weird. really bizarre. Like, only in the eighties. It's like because um, they they made those you know for aerobics, but they usually had what tights that went yeah. underneath them or leggings that went underneath them with like the leg warmers, and then you had your Reebok straps or whatever strap-ons or whatever. But anyway, um, so that was the very first time I'd ever seen anything like that, and I can just remember as a kid thinking like, that's awesome. But that also looks very uncomfortable. Like, why would you wear that? And so but there was that. So that was my first exposure to a thong. So notable. Thank you, Linda, and, and for that. There's the scene where he just makes makes her take her bra off for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Now you can see why the like you're watching this and you're like, oh, this that's why this movie is sexist. That's why everyone's saying it's sexist. Yeah, yeah. And he's also smokes the entire time, which is something so, like, it was so weird to see that, like, in a movie, because hardly anybody ever smokes anymore in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's, like, rolling his own cigarettes, you know, with his paper in his mouth. And, but um, anyway, so, yeah, I just really wanted an excuse to watch this movie, and um, I got it. And let me tell you something. It's worth your while. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. It's fun. It's, like I said, it's... 97 minutes of just pure entertainment. Um, it will definitely make you want to go back. and like, I want to go back now and watch two. And I kind of want to go back and see. I know it's more of like a kid's movie. But um, where he has to go rescue his son in Los Angeles or whatever. But yeah, Crocodile Dundee. Did you have any other well, notes or anything that you want to say about it? I just wanted to say, uh, well, you know what a bidet is for, right? It's for washing your backside. <laughs>